Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and just hello. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Outside the Sheds. Once again, I am your host, the vibrant and always excitable Corey Jackson. I, can, I, I know you can see this. You can kind of feel it on me right now. There's just this incredible energy, electricity that's flowing through my body right now. And I think that is because, all right, everybody, I know everybody loves the little fat man in the red suit. And that's to you people that may be pagans. That's Santa Claus. But this, to me, is my Christmas. This, to me, is Thanksgiving, Christmas, mom's apple pie, and Ralphie in his bunny suit all rolled in one package. This is the beginning of finals. And I know I've been hinting and talking about it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. But it's here. It's here. It's knocking on your front door. Answer it. Unlike the people that might be walking around in your neighborhood, even though there's non-solicitation signs, answer the door now. And that's because if you don't answer it, it's going to get kicked in. And it's going to get kicked in with finals madness. And that's what we're getting ready to experience right now, some finals madness. And it really kicked off this last weekend in a lot of different unique ways in the NRL. Uh, the footy boys got to take it easy in the AFL a little bit as everybody got prepared for the, for the finals that are starting, I'm going to say it, yes, tonight at Adelaide Oval. But last weekend really kind of changed a lot of people's perceptions of what the future may hold, who really is in contention for actually possibly maybe bringing home the championship, the premiership. You know, I think we all knew for a very, very long time that the Penny Panthers were marching towards the minor premiership. I think that was a foregone conclusion. And as usual, they did it. They won it. And they they finally sealed it down. The, the, the good and the bad with that is, is it's always great to celebrate when you have a chance to. And by God, they still say Josh Mansour has not let go of the minor premiership trophy. I hope he has been, and he's been practicing. But that is a season done now. That season is complete. I hope you had your, your, your two extra drives, some VBs, but that's over. And it's now the second season, the season that really truthfully matters, the season that will have you remembered forever and not just as a cornerstone or a possible thing that it might have happened through a season. This is finals time. This is, this is when you can have one game and be, and be remembered forever in a sport. No matter if that it's the NRL, the AFL, the NFL, the NBA, you know, cornhole, I, you know, I love my cornhole reference. But no matter what, if you bring your best during the finals, you will go down in history. And as human beings, that's all we ever think about and we always want is to play with that thought of being remembered forever. Well, there's always being remembered forever about things you don't want to be remembered about, but let's not talk about that. Now, I'm talking about being remembered, having highlights shown of you, talking to your grandchildren, your grandchildren knowing what you've done, not, not just something that you're sitting on grandpa's lap, Tommy, and I'm going to tell you, I remember walking in the snow. Grandpa, we live in Brisbane. There's not much snow. Okay. You see what I'm saying? This is a time for you to etch your cornerstone, etch your mark. And that's what finals is. And that's what makes finals so exciting for everybody who makes it in. Because team eight of the eight, everyone's saying, well, don't unpack your bags because you're really just going to be here for a few moments and then I'm going to send you back home. And then team one has the pressure of saying, well, you know, you guys had the best season. You're the number one seeds. So are you going to bring it all home? And that comes with a different type of pressure. 
a type of pressure that 15 other squads have no idea about. So that's what's upon us right now. It, it is the finals time. And I got to tell you something. I don't care what sport you follow. You know what we're here talking about, Shedheads. But I don't care what sport you follow. When you make it to finals and your team gets in, it just gives you second life. It just makes you feel alive. It makes you feel like you've been on a journey and that this is the reward, the chance to actually be able to win the ultimate prize. We're going to talk about the finals today. We're going to talk about AFL NRL Grand Final because the AFL is even closer to the finals starting even more than the NRL because we're just a matter of hours till the, the bounce of the ball at Adelaide Oval between Port Adelaide and Geelong. But we can't we can't bite right to the center of, of the Tootsie Roll pop right away. We've got to take our time with this thing a little bit. We gotta feel that coding. Okay? Let's work at it a little bit. So we're gonna work at it by going over what I know we all love, and that's the 4020s. Some of the biggest stories that would have really graced us again this week, uh, setting up for this finals time that we're talking about. And I and I truthfully, I gotta tell you something. I am not a gambler. My dad, my dad used to love to bet a little bit on the ponies and some American gridiron or NFL or college football when I was growing up. But I've I've never been a gambler. And that's because I've always come from that side, not a matter of what I could win by making a great bet. I've always thought about what I could lose that I already have. And a lot of people think that's funny because I do pick games pretty darn well. But I've just never needed that rush and that thrill thinking that I've got you know the, the home mortgage on if this soccer player is going to make a field goal that's going to either make or break my family. I just It just has never done anything for me. Now, I know that I may be in the minority there, um, and, and nothing against you, Tab. I know you do a great business, but I just have never been a gambler. But I will tell you something. The Bunnies and Chooks match that kicked off the weekend last Friday, I would have put a large sum of coin, cashola, on the Roosters taking it to the Bunnies. The Roosters had found a way to help the Brisbane accomplish what we didn't think they might be able to accomplish. The Broncos really got that solidified wooden spoon handed to them by the Bunnies letting the doggies come over the top of them the week before that. But... I don't know what it was. You know, if you listen to any of the people that quote-unquote know the game, no one thought the Bunnies were going to be able to beat the Roosters on Friday night. Um, I don't even think Rusty, and that would be Russell Crowe, everybody. I don't even think Rusty truthfully thought that the Bunnies were going to really beat the Roosters. You know, I, I think when, when whenever you have a rivalry game like that, you just can't. You just don't know who's going to actually come out on top. You don't really know about that added, I don't know, push inside the sheds. What the coach might have pulled out of his team that week. And let's be honest, Wayne Bennett is a hell of a coach. Right now, he's probably in the top five of all NRL coaches in the history of the game already. And he's still coaching. So having a coach like that, that can actually maybe light some fire, especially after a loss to a team that by no means anyone thought they were going to lose to, in Canterbury, I really didn't know that Wayne had what it took to do what, or to get out of his men what he got out of them. And folks, when you look at the score of the South Sydney Rabbitohs, 60, and the Sydney Roosters, 8, that dropped a lot of jaws. And that goes back to those pundits, those those betters, those people that love to put the mortgage up. This changed going forward who the favorite is in the gambling community on who's the favorite to win the, the premiership. And up until this point, it had really been the Roosters. And a lot of people have been surprised. They thought that the Penny Panthers would have been the favorite. Um, but 
the gamblers had had the, the Chooks being the favorite. And one match, one blunder, one press conference of, of, of Coach Trent Robinson saying he just didn't have the boys ready to play has changed everything. Where now the Melbourne Storm is now the favorite to bring home the premiership. Now, in my eyes, it's tough for me to go away from a Trent Robinson coach team, a two-time defending champion, and because of one game where they look like they had no business even being on the field with the Bunnies, and which is crazy about that because in the first seven minutes of that game, it looked like it was going to be a a whitewash for the Chooks. The Roosters were playing fast. They were moving up and down the pitch. They were moving up and down the field. They They were dictating play. And it just switched. And when that avalanche started, there was no getting out of the way. And then we come to the score that we have right now. We've got now a Bunnies team that's going into the first week of the finals that are pretty darn confident with their chances at least getting through the first the first round. So, you know, I, 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 I said this a week or two ago with you guys I said a game is like a lifetime that we get to experience together a beginning a middle and an end and in one lifetime the fortunes of two different teams went in two different directions Wayne Bennett's now able to go back into the into the sheds and tell his boys you see if you if you do what I tell you and you follow my words look what you can do I've always told you you can do this Cody Walker is a madman, ladies and gentlemen. Cody Walker, when he's got the ball in his hands for the Rabbitohs, is a game-changing player. And when he feels good about himself, and when he's running, and when he's taking on the line, he's the difference between a win and a loss. And Cody Walker is healthy, and he's coming into the final series hungry. And if you're a Bunnies fan, that's got to that's gotta make you very excited. So calm down, David Lindsay. But that's got to make you really, really excited. And then you look on the other side. SBW and the Chooks. What does that mean to them? You know, you just you just don't know. And, and, and any, any player that wins a premiership will always tell you that it is a grind. But to do that grind two years in a row and to win a championship like that, is immense but to do it three years in a row that's why it's barely been done but the Chooks are going to have to look deep they're going to have to look and remember the team that they truthfully are and that last Friday was just kind of a blip on the radar that it really didn't exist and I've always said I'd rather get blown out in a match than lose on a last second kick or you know, a, a a try at the dying at the dying moments of a game. I think that can rip your heart out. When you just get stomped and you just get rolled over, it's very easy to go back in and just say, it just wasn't our day, boys. It just wasn't our day. And that's fine because we know the team that we are and we know what we can do and we're playing our brand of footy. And I think that's what Trent Robinson will do. And I think that he will have the chookies ready. But they're going to have to have a come to Jesus very, very quickly because they open up the finals with the minor premieres. So that was my number one 40-20 of the week was was that thumping by, by Team Red and Green. The other big story that broke, and this is the one that we've been talking about again, not just here and outside the sheds, but it's just been kind of the talk in all of the NRL, and that is if Kevin Walters was going to get appointed as the coach for the for the Brisbane Broncos. And I think a lot of people felt that Kevy should have been the coach before Anthony Siebold got the job. And I probably agree with you there. I, I, I just didn't think that Anthony Siebold had enough pedigree and enough of a resume for him to get thrust into that position. Yeah, he was the hot coach that, you know, just he was young. He was, he was bringing a different type of swagger and feel to it, but... But that doesn't always that doesn't doesn't always transition well to all clubs, and now a guy who had something going in South Sydney has nothing, 
Matter of fact, he's giving that job to Wayne Bennett, whose job he took with the Brisbane Broncos. So a lot of people have always felt that Kevy should have had the job two years ago. Well, it is broken that Kevin Walters is now your coach for the Brisbane Broncos. Here's the, here's the big thing about this is a couple of things is because you know when 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 situations like this happen and coaches are appointed it is kind of like dominoes falling and dominoes are now falling when Kevin when Kevin Walters accepted that that job that means now he is stepping down as the head coach of the Queensland Maroons which means 4 weeks away from origin starting Queensland doesn't have a coach and there's been Huge rumblings and talk that the Maroons are going to reach out to try to bring Wayne Bennett back to coach him for this final series. But don't forget, what happens if Wayne Bennett goes on a on a on on the ride of a lifetime and leads the Bunnies to the grand final? That means that he really cannot coach the Maroons. I'm saying you'd have a better chance of just letting Kevy keep the job then. So there's a lot of stuff up in the air just four weeks away, four and a half weeks away from from Origin 1. And then you've got the cockroaches, you've got the blues sitting down in New South Wales with Brad Fiddler feeling pretty damn good about himself and his fortunes because they've got a coaching staff that's in place who doesn't have to wonder what type of coaching philosophy is going to come in that door, who's coming in that door, what they're going to ask of me when they come through that door. Fiddler and the boys just get to sit back and and, and fine-tune their their metal for what they're about ready to to go up against. So that's that's a huge, huge benefit for the, the defending champions for the Origin series. And and I guess that's really truthfully, I think, why the Maroons really want to bring in Wayne Bennett or bring him back because he's been there before. But again, that's just no guarantee that he's going to be ready to do this because I think Wayne Bennett is planning on being in the finals for a few more weeks. So that has really been left up in the air. The other the other side of that is the talk of Craig Bellamy after next season coming up and accepting a job with the Brisbane Broncos as being a coaching consultant with Kevin Walters. And 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 you and if you know the history, the two have a great relationship. They played together. And they've coached together. But there's a lot of coaches that couldn't handle Bellyache being the person that's standing over them to an extent, making coaching decisions. Now, now Kevin Walters might be the only coach that could handle that because of the respect the two already have for one another. And I think their feeling of the greater good of just a, a successful Brisbane Broncos team. But none of us really know how that's going to work until it until it plays itself out. And he still has another year on his contract with a storm. And I just have a feeling the storm are going to put up a fight to try to keep him there. I think that he's always said that he wants to retire up in Queensland being a Queensland boy, but but you know, money talks. But again, what 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 does that do? Again, again, every single coaching decision made about where coaches go puts the dominoes in motion. So what does that mean for Melbourne? You know, and so it it and on 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 it goes. But we do have a coach for the Brisbane Broncos, and it's Kevin Walters. And congratulations to Kevin Walters. I know he's wanted that job. He really thought he had it a few years ago. He's got it now. What he is inheriting might not be something you'd want or wish upon your worst enemy, but. He's already stood up and said that he will fix it and he will have them back in the eight next season. And that's what you want to hear. That's what you want to hear if you're a Broncos fan. So good luck to Kebby there because he has got his hands full. And then and then I want to go to my, my third big, big point before we start talking about the finals. And that is a big thank you. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Um, I am a passionate rugby league man I love the NRL I love the game I love the toughness of it and I don't think that toughness 
was shown more than what the New Zealand Warriors did for letting the season continue, but to still thrive in it without having a home, without having their loved ones, without being able to be there for birthdays, childbirths, big events back in their home. When I, when I said a few weeks ago that I, I thought that Todd Payton deserved to be the coach of the year, I will stand by that. And yes, Ivan Cleary led his team to the minor premiership. And yes, his son is playing great football, even though he does not deserve the Daily M um, because he's such a good TikTok dancer, but that's something else. No, I think a coach coming in to a broken team and if you guys would have saw early in the season, after the Warriors took a pounding by the Melbourne Storm, and to see Craig Belly, Craig Bellamy and Cameron Smith talking to that Warriors team in their own locker room to keep their heads up, to think that they would have finished the season the way that they did. They finished in 10th, everyone. And truthfully, if they didn't have two incredibly tough matches at the end of the season, they were knocking on the door to being in the top eight. And what Todd Payton did to get those guys to believe to let them form their own family, to, to, to make them find that passion. And that's actually that's with playing with other teams' players at times because other players decided to go home. It was truly remarkable. And it was humbling. And for all the, the teams and the players that might have complained a little bit about the bubble and a little bit of a quarantine life, don't look at yourself in the mirror after you hear this because what the Warriors did week in and week out and there was a point in time where there was talk that there was going to be mass exodus and those guys were all going to get on a plane and leave and that would have that would have you don't understand that would have crushed the NRL season the NRL season would have not have been able to continue if they couldn't have gotten the Warriors to agree to going to Tamworth and to relo- relocating there And those boys now have touched down back in New Zealand and they're in quarantine for two weeks. So they don't even just get to fly back home. They're now in quarantine back in their home country before they can go back and give the hugs and kisses they've wanted to give for so, so very long. A lot of us are going through COVID right now. A lot of us are going through lockdowns and a lot of us are going through you know, I can't go to my favorite bar. I, you know, I, I, I might not be able to sit in my favorite restaurant. But guess what we're able to do? At the end of the day, we're able to come back to our own home, our own apartment. We're able to give our, our wives, our girlfriends, our, our husbands, our boyfriends, our children, hugs and kisses. And sometimes that's enough to get you going to the next day. Is that feeling of at least I still have my home and the things that mean most to me. And this team didn't have that. This team played for 16 weeks without having that. And they played well. I'm saying they finished the season by thumping Manly at Central Coast Stadium. They beat they beat them down 40 to 28 and they were down 10 to nothing. And, and you know what? You know my favorite saying, one, two, three, Cancun. They were able to say that. I'm saying they could have got down 10 nothing and said, you know, let's just, let's just ride out this last 70 minutes, get on the plane, and, and deuces, we're gone. You know, let's get home. And they didn't do it. They rose up. They ripped Manley's heart out. And then they kicked it. Like, like Darius Boyd did to find out that he was going to be a father for a girl, minus the pink powder that came out. But they kicked Manly's hearts. And I have to say that 
that I've seen teams show courage before and, sh- and, and show heart. But what the Warriors have done this year will make me look at teams when they complain about hardships probably for the rest of my life of watching sports in a totally different light after what they showed. And then we go with a 15-year a 15-year NRL player, Adam Blair, calling in a career on that game, too. That that if you get a chance, look up Adam Blair Haka on YouTube or whatever. Because if you want to see emotion, when Adam Blair when the sirens sounded, his entire team formed up in front of him and perform and performed the haka. And the emotion that all those guys performed the hawk in towards Adam Blair, um, you don't even have to have Polynesian roots to feel that. And that he was able to do that in front of the thing I just talked about earlier, his family, his wife and his children being there to watch daddy play his last game uh, was, was something special, was something special. And then him being able to ceremonially greet each one of the guys after they did the haka for him um, was maybe one of the most touching things I've seen in, in rugby league this year. And, and I know we don't use the word touching and rugby league in the same sentence often, but that was, and I'm going to say this with emphasis, damn special. So congratulations to the Warriors. Congratulations to Adam Blair. I really hope that this new transition, because you are losing a hell of a coach in Todd Payton. And, and, and Cowboys, I told you this a couple weeks ago. Congratulations to you because you got a hell of a coach coming up to North Queensland. But Nathan Brown, you've got some work in front of you because you've got a team that's shown that they've got fight and heart. And I hope you can make the best out of what you've got. Well, after that emotional speech, I don't know if you need to sit back and relax a second. I know I do. But we don't have a chance to. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for this? Hold. That's right. That was the finals whistle. And I hope I didn't have you lose at least hearing one of your ears. But that's okay. You've got two of them. So just saddle up. I'm with you still. We've got a finals breakdown. And this is what we have in finals week one. Friday night, kicking it off. I mentioned it a little bit earlier. At Panther Stadium. So you're going to see a lot of black in the crowd. And I did not get final numbers before the podcast of how many people are going to be allowed in at Panther Stadium. But I'm going to tell you something. How rowdy those people were after they were presented the minor premiership shield after last week's game, it is going to be a raucous stadium. And the Chooks are up against it. But what better way for you to be able to, how should I say, gauge how you're going, going into the finals, than taking on the minor premieres? And a lot of people will say, me included, that the Panthers and the Chooks, the Roosters, are the two best teams in the competition right now. Yes, I know the Roosters are, are number four on the ladder and the Panthers are number one. And and, and you, you Eels fans, <clears throat> dumb, uh, you Eels fans and and you Storm fans are able to say, I don't, I, you know, what? What is he talking about? But to me, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And last time I checked, the Roosters still have the strap, okay? So if you have a problem with me saying that, talk to Ric Flair. Because the strap is still on the shoulder right now of the Sydney Roosters. But the only way that they're going to quote-unquote defend their championship and keep the belt, keep that strap on the shoulder, is they're going to have to beat the Panthers this weekend. Because I do not feel that the Chooks can lose this this first match, play next week, and then play another again one more match to make it to the final. I think they have to beat the Panthers on Friday. And I don't feel that it has it's the other way around. I think if the Panthers lose, I think they could still come up through the through the loser's bracket, I guess you could say. 
Um, but I do think the Chooks have to win on Friday. And, I, and they very much can. I think they're going to try to check how strong the legs are of Penrith. They're going to try to let Penrith know that this is a total different time. This is finals time. And we know what the hell we're doing. Do you? And I think they're going to try to bully him. I think they're going to try to push him around. I think they're going to try to make them feel uncomfortable. And I think they're going to try to make them feel the pressure for being the minor premiers. And I said I thought that the, the Chooks had it, probably is they're probably my my pick still to win it. Um, in my feeling, um, I just think that they are that team that can do it. But they're going to have to win on Friday, and that is going to take everything they have, not just SBW, but everyone's going to have to play. Teddy's going to have to play. Tedesco's going to have to play and dominate like he was doing three to four weeks ago. The Habs are going to have to fire on all cylinders. Luke Carey is going to have to just lead again. They're just going to have to play the way the Roosters can play. But that's why they play the game. So we'll see. Saturday, the first game is the Raiders against the Sharks. Canberra against Cronulla at GIO Stadium. Again, I don't know how many people are going to be allowed there, so that makes a difference on how loud the Viking clap is going to be. But Raiders fan, just just kind of envision Michael Ennis down there helping you lead the Viking clap. Well, Ennis the menace, boy, you, a guy who you hated is now one of your coaches. Boy, I'm telling you, if that's not if that's not irony. But anyway, you have to say that the Raiders are the favorite in that that match. Yes, the Sharkies are going to have Chad Townsend coming back now, and, and Chad just just wrote a really good article. And if you guys get a chance, uh, check out Chad's podcast. He's got a really good one too. Um, but they really are up against it. But I will tell you, a team that could cause the Raiders problems are the Sharks. Because if the Sharks get rolling, the Sharks probably can beat anybody with the talent they have. They just haven't beat a team in the top eight all season. They don't have Sean Johnson. They have a beat up Josh Dugan. Wade Graham is coming off of injury. So I I really don't know what we're going to see here. I, I know on paper you look at it, you're going to say that the Raiders by every means are the favorite, even though you know they don't have Josh Hodgson. But they've been playing good football. Uh, Whiten's been playing well. Uh, that team has just really been clicking along. When a lot of people said they were dead in the water when Hodgson went down with a knee injury, they've continued to flow. And matter of fact, I think played more focus ball since that injury. So I, I have to say I'm leaning towards the Raiders in that match. But there's just something about that Sharks team that makes me... I, def- I definitely, again, talk to my, 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 my shed heads that are big-time gamblers. That's a match I wouldn't touch. That's the first game on Saturday. The second match on Saturday is a storm in the eels from Suncorp Stadium. Melbourne against Parramatta. The blue and gold army against the eye of the hurricane. Blue and Gold Army, I know that you guys took it to the Tigers. I've heard there's been some songs saying about this, children taunting grown adults, but but truthfully, Eels fan, do you really truthfully feel and believe in your souls that you have a chance against a healthy, rested Storm team playing in Cameron Smith's backyard? I'm saying they should name Suncorp Stadium almost after the man. And then let's not think about how they took you behind the woodshed last year in the finals. I know, well, here we go. I know the saying. All right, I'm bracing. You can't bring up last year. Truthful. I apologize. But really, have you shown anything that sh- that, that is going to trouble the Melbourne Storm? The team that finds that weakness and just chips away at it like a little bird coming out of a shell. Just chips away a little piece at a time. And they will attack the right side of the eels 
over and over and over again. And Mitchell Moses is going to have to make more tackles on Saturday evening than he's probably had to make in a big game more than any other time in his life. Because they're going to come at him over and over and over again. And I, and I am a big Mitchell Moses fan. I like Mitchell Moses. I, I love the moxie he plays with. I love the fire in his eye. I like how he can try to lead a team, even though I've always told you Clint Gutherson is the heartbeat of that team. King Gutho. But there's nothing that, that these teams have showed me over the last few weeks that shows me that, that Parameda is really going to trouble the Melbourne Storm on Saturday night. Of all the games that I want you folks to... No, I'm joking. Don't Please don't bet your home on that. But it would be that game that Melbourne is going to hold face and do what they do best, and that is to take the team and to brutalize them. And then finishing out the finals, Sunday, Rusty's boys, the South Sydney Rapitos, take on the Newcastle Knights. And Newcastle, I know you're feeling good about yourself. No, you're not. But I'm just saying, I was going to bring up that the great Fletch and Heidi visited you, but that could be the curse of death. I'm not really sure because the showing that you guys put on against the Titans, I know I know the fans up in the Hunter are some, some very, very loyal fans, and there's some really good people up there. But I think that team is in trouble because I think Wayne Bennett has the Rabbitohs ready to play. And again, no matter how good Kalen Ponga is and, and Mitchell Pierce, I just think that this does not this does not add up well. The match is in Anzac Stadium as well. So it it's it's down in in Sydney. It's not up in the Hunter. So that's going to make a difference. I will tell you, loyal fan base-wise, you're going to see a lot of red and green in that crowd for as many people as they allow in. And I just I just think the Bunnies woke up last week. Ask the Chooks. And I think that they're going to make an example out of the Knights on Sunday. I hope I'm wrong. I hope, I hope Newcastle was holding back last week and, and that they were just thinking about this matchup and it just got in their way. Uh, I will tell you, the bottom teams there, Sharks, Knights, Bunnies, you guys are lucky we don't have another three weeks left in the season because one of you three probably would not be in the finals because I think the team out of those three plus one that should be in the finals is the Gold Coast Titans. That is the hottest team right now that are not in the top eight that I think a lot of people in the top eight are happy are not in the top eight. Mal Meninga's got those guys going. Um, Justin Holbrook, we've talked about this before. Um, besides, besides Todd Payton, Justin Holbrook, to me, might be the other coach of the year. Because now players are not saying, why would I want to go up to Gold Coast? You have players now saying, I want to play at Gold Coast. And that's how you start changing your fortunes around. Ask the Tigers about that. Ask how many people are saying, can I go play for Wests? There you go. So that's what we have. That's what we have for our setup for round one for the NRL Finals. It is going to be hard-hitting. It's going to be in your face. And again, I, I, I think the two best teams, again, still are the Chooks and the Panthers. Maybe not Matt Orner. But... That's why we play the finals, because we just don't know. And ladies and gentlemen, do I need to say again, it is 2020, the year of the pandemic. So who would be surprised if all the top two the top two seeds lost the first weekend? You know, I'm saying, what else? What else could happen? Then I'm going to transition right now, because we're still talking finals about the match tonight that really kicks off all finals, and that is... The battle at Adelaide Oval between Port Adelaide and Geelong. And and again, your Shed Adamas, your host, pointed out that it was probably going to be Port Adelaide against Geelong 
in the first round of the finals. But what a match. Old guard against new guard. The hoops against the Teal Nation. I've got to say this. I have Port Adelaide winning this match. But I think if the venues were switched and if Port Adelaide had to go down to Geelong, I think I would I would flip it and, and go vice versa. That's how I think that's why I think it's so important to be able to host a match. And Geelong Geelong, just like most teams this year, just had to feel fortunate that they're not going to be playing in front of, you know, sixty thousand at Adelaide Oval. And they don't have to listen to come together and watch the scars being held high because Port Adelaide is here to win to win the premiership. And if they do anything else besides win the premiership, I don't know if it's going to be considered a successful season. That's how focused that team has been all year. So this is going to be a heavyweight bout, folks. This is going to be... Uh, I would say within the last five minutes of the match, within a within a goal, I'm just I'm just feeling that I'm just feeling that Geelong will not go away, and they're going to try to just like a croc up in Queensland, in the Northern Territory, is just going to try to drag you out into deep water, and that's what Geelong is going to try to do. And then don't forget, experience, 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 experience. The Cats have a lot of experience. And this is going to be the first time running out like this for quite a few of the young guys at Port Adelaide. And that's why I think it's so important that they are able to play at Adelaide Oval. So we'll see. We'll see. But I, I still I still feel strongly that Port Adelaide gets over tonight. It's going to test their mental. But I'll tell you this. If Geelong rattles them, Geelong can win this match tonight. Geelong can win this match tonight. So it's going to be I'm really excited to watch this match. I really, really am. So that's what's kicking off tonight. And then you've got the big one um, of the Tigers and the Lions coming up again. So we've got some great finals week one. This weekend's exciting. Just everything. You know, I've I, I just been talking about NRL and AFL. But the NBA finals getting ready to start, which we're going to talk about in a few moments. And Major League Baseball. I know, folks. I know you think that watching paint dry is a little bit more exciting than that. Calm down. Major League Baseball's final is starting, um, so it's it's a it's just it's just such an awesome time. I'm saying the energy, if you're a sports person right now, is just to- it's just it's intoxicating. It's intoxicating. Well, I can't I can't go forward and 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 get close to letting you guys going back to your day to day lives unless we bring up the things that you guys love so much. And that's talking about the guns. My top three top guns from this last weekend. And I, this was a really cool story. My number one top gun this week is Adam Kieran from the Warriors. And let me tell you, that ginger played some good football. Adam Kieran has really been kind of a forgotten man. He was brought down uh, last season, I'm, I'm thinking again it was. Last season, he was supposed to push for the 5-8th position after Sean Johnson left the Warriors to go to Cronulla. And Adam Kieran had, he scored a try in his first match, and then he went ghost, pretty much. He just had, you know, he's got, he had some injuries, and he just, he just never clicked down there for the Warriors. And he really came down there with a, quite a bit of promise. But it just never, it just never worked out for him, and, and and we all know that. I'm saying we've all probably accepted a job somewhere where we thought that it was just going to be everything, and then within a couple of weeks we're like, oh my god, what have I done? And I don't know if Adam Kieran had that feeling all the way through, but I know this was not what he was expecting when he took the position to possibly, you know, taking over the five eighth role for the Warriors. But what was so cool about seeing Adam Kieran on Sunday have the match that he is is that Adam Kieran's from Central Coast, and he got to play his last match for the Warriors in a stadium that he played football in, in Central Coast Stadium. And Adam Kieran went out and went from a guy that nobody knew to play to commentators during the game saying, 
boy, that Adam Kieran's going to be a real find for somebody who ever picks him up in the offseason. Adam Kieran finished with three tries, one try assist, two line breaks, two tackle breaks, 11 tackles, and 98 tackle meters. I mean, excuse me, 98 total meters. That'd be incredible, tackle meters, huh? Find me that stat. But 98 total meters. And I and I, I think the coolest thing about watching that was the smile on Adam Kieran's face. And the crowd, you heard that some of his family was there. And the joy that brought him of being able to do that in front of his family. I don't know where Adam Kieran's going to play next year. I know plenty of teams that could use a playmaker, <clears throat> West Tigers. Um, but this guy has a lot of skill. And if he can just get in the right team and framework, I think he can be a pretty special player. So Adam Kieran is my number one top gun. Number two, Cody Walker. And I talked about Cody a little bit earlier in, in the beat down to the Chucks that the Buns did. But Cody Walker, there's a reason he got picked for Origin 1 last year. Because when that guy is on top of his game, he is one of the top three elite players in the league. And Cody Walker went out there against the Chooks and had two tries, 74 kick meters, 34 try assists, two line breaks, seven tackle breaks, and 167 total meters. As a 5 eighth. That's a game, folks. That is a game playing against the Chooks. That is, that is getting on a, tobo- on a toboggan or getting on top of bike on, on top of the to- on the top of the biggest hill in your neighborhood and just pushing off and not using the brake. Because when he started to go downhill, there was nothing that was going to get in his way. The only one that was going to stop Cody Walker was Cody Walker. And with those numbers, you see why. And that scoreboard of 60 to 8 showed you everything you needed right there. Cody Walker was a gun on Friday. And if that man plays that way for the next three weeks, you could see the Bunnies, how should I say, doing a little bit of celebrating in Sydney in a few weeks' time. My number three, and I, and I like to pick players, not that everyone, you know, it'd be really easy week in and week out to say Nathan Cleary or James Tedesco is my top gun. Those guys are just all-stars, right? Dancing all-stars, some of them are too, but that's something else. But my number three for this week was the hottest team going into the finals that's not going to make the finals. And that was A.J. Brimson for the Gold Coast Titans. And I know now, Shedheads, you're kind of getting the NRL and AFL down a little bit. You're leading, you're following your Pied Piper's voice of right to knowledge. Holly, I promise I'm going to help you find all of this. I, I promise you. But I'm going to say this right now. A.J. Brimson did not start the season because he had a broken back. Some of you don't go to the gym the next day because you've got a sore shoulder. A.J. Brimson had a broken back. Think about that for a second. A broken back. And in four months' time, he's a top gun. He's the fullback for the Gold Coast Titans. And since he's come back from his injury, the Titans have flown. A.J. Brimson finished with two tries, one line break, six tackle breaks, 212 total meters, and 110 kick return meters. And you have to understand the game. And I know some of you are starting to pick it up a little bit. But the fullback, his job is like a punt returner in the NFL and also to an extent a partial point guard quarterback. And if he's having a good game, he is involved in every aspect of the game. He's your last line of defense. He's the guy that the ball is kicked to, and he's going to try to get you as far out of your end zone as you possibly can. He's going to assist the halves. He's going to try to find holes. No team wins anything without a good fullback. 
And A.J. Brimson reappearing back in the NRL, back in the spine of the Gold Coast Titans, is why Mal Meninga has had a gigantic smile on his face for the last five weeks of the season. And Gordy, please Gordy, I know Gordon Tallis, we don't get to see him smile often. And he was giggly as a schoolgirl uh, when he was on the Maddie John show talking about the team, which he's part of. But the Gold Coast Titans next year could be something very, very special. And I would not be surprised with what Justin Holbrook, Mal Meninga's brought in, the new players that are coming in, David Fafita and others, that you you won't see them pushing hard to be in the top eight. And if any of those teams slowly fall off a little bit that are in the top eight this year, they're easily going to kick that door open and walk through it. So, A.J. Brimson was my number three gun. And I think that he is—he just embodies an entire team in the way that culture has changed in, in the direction they're coming. So, congratulations to A.J. Brimson and the Gold Coast Titans. An incredible season. I know you wish you were playing some finals football. But you played fun football. And it was really fun to watch. I'm going to enjoy watching you next year. So, those are my top guns for the week. Uh, a lot of excitement. They brought a lot of energy, a lot of, a lot of movement, a lot of moving and shaking going on, as they would say. Well, we finished with outside the bubble, and I told you the excitement earlier of, of it being finals time. And the number one thing I have outside the bubble that's happening right now is LeBron James and the NBA Finals. And I know they say one player isn't bigger than an entire league, and that's true. That's so, so true. But LeBron has a chance. He's four wins away from being a player that's won three championships on three different teams. Or bringing three different teams three championships. Now, you, we were just talking about the finals and how, how great it feels to have your team in the final. Listen to this stat. LeBron James, in his 15-year NBA career, has been in the finals 10 of those 15 years. And if you think how bad some of those early Cleveland teams were that he played on, that he's he's played in the finals over 75% of his career. That's incredible. That's that's insane. And when you and we talk about the greatest ever to play the game, there's a lot of people that don't like to talk about Jordan's earlier years in, in, in Chicago or Jordan's final years as a Washington Wizard. What's going on, 45? But LeBron, if he gets these four victories, which I, I, I do feel, even though I, I'm I'm a huge Miami Heat guy this this finals, they have been a fun team to watch. And if you get a chance, make sure you purchase yourself a cup of big, a big face coffee. Uh, I don't know if anybody really wants to buy a $20 cup of coffee, but I've heard it's incredible. And if Jimmy Bucket says it's incredible, buy it. Anyway, what I'm saying is LeBron James has a chance to do some history that we may not see again for a very, very long time if he wins it. And that's not even going into if the Lakers win it, being the year that Kobe passes away but we have a chance now for the next 10 days to watch what we were talking about a little earlier and that is sports drama and a sports life take place and it is going to be some some incredible basketball because the Miami Heat and the godfather Pat Riley LeBron one of LeBron's old teams is not going to go away easily. And when I use the word team when I talk about the Miami Heat, I use that with emphasis. Team. Because that's what they are. Buckets may be the face. Jimmy Butler may be the face. But Hero and Bam, these guys, 
these guys are going to be there. And I know a lot of times people always say teams win championships. If that comes to fruition, you it's tough to pick against the Heat in this series. I do think this series is going six or seven games. And I do think because the greatest game player in the game is playing for one of the teams that the Lakers do get over. But if one injury happens, just like in all sports, it could change everything. So I do think the Lakers will win. But this is going to be 10 days of incredible sports. So what you're going to use is you're going to use the NBA to get you from week to week as we go through the AFL and the NRL finals. But it's going to be some great drama. It's going to be some great drama. My number two story here in Outside the Bubble, and to all my brothers and sisters over in Down Under in Australia, you might not have heard this, but we've we've had our first COVID outbreak in the NFL. The Tennessee Titans, now just a matter of hours ago, just had their eighth player test positive, or excuse me, eighth personnel member, some players some outside personnel, coaching staff, they're not really saying, has tested positive for COVID-19. I said this a while ago. I said the only way to make sports truthfully work is to have a bubble-like policy. The NBA, the NHL did it the best where they actually just took their teams and took them away from everybody and just put them in into quarantine pretty much and they never had a test a positive test the entire time knock on wood because I know we still have you know possibly seven games to go for the NBA but there never was a positive test in the NHL bubble and congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning winning the Stanley Cup championship but the NRL has done it pretty well I'm telling you Peter Volandis what he did with with instilling in these guys the importance of coming and going and and all of that and and they pretty much followed it i'm saying we did not really have any type of covid covid scares during the season so the guys the guys followed procedure and protocol the way they should have and if you didn't you just didn't get caught and we did, we talk about that to end the show every time but the nfl has chosen not to go that way college football we won't even talk about that that train wreck College football, people are testing positive in college football and they just won't admit their failure. They're just not going to. There's too much money to be had there. And don't let anyone tell you that that, that your kid's best interest is the, the number one interest at heart because it is the dollar bills and college football has to get their teams to bowls so the big wigs at bowls can make their money for bowls. Don't, don't try to blow smoke up where the sun doesn't shine, ladies and gentlemen. We know what's going on there. Okay, because when your son and daughter graduate, they got to bring a new quarterback in. So he's important for three and a half to four years and then bring in the fresh meat. So it's never been about the players. It's been a matter of can we get the money in? Okay, so let's let's that's we'll just end that there. But the NFL did not go under any type of quote unquote bubble. And I think that's now going to be proven. I don't think this will be the first time, but the Tennessee Titans now are going to have to postpone their their match this weekend against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they're and, and the NFL doesn't have the room to do many quote unquote, you know, college football is getting famous. Going, we're going to play this game three months from now. Now that's that's what we're going to do. But the NFL can't do that. So I think this is now a running. I don't know what's happening because they still haven't said when this game is going to be played and when it's going to be made up. But now the Minnesota Vikings are also in quarantine because they play the Tennessee Titans. And thank God none of the, the, the Vikings players or personnel have tested positive for COVID yet. But don't we all know if, if you don't think it's some type of a hoax that things don't happen overnight? And truthfully, the with all my teachings is the virus can stay dormant or not able to be viewed for 14 days, right? That's why the country that's done this right, New Zealand's quarantined you for two weeks. So I'm happy no one with the Vikings has shown any type of symptoms yet, but you idiots, it's been four days. So I don't know how you're planning on saying that we're going to go out there and play on Sunday 
when it hasn't, by that point, it'll be seven days. So people might not even have shown any symptoms yet. So that's, that's the dilemma that football has when you're not doing bubble type of situations and scenarios. I hope for the best because I'm going to tell you something. The NFL is the, the bell cow in America. It is the sport of sports. But I thought that it was going to be very, very, very hard to keep it going without outbreaks, especially when you're, again, like I said, letting guys play within seven days after possible tests. And if it catches fire in the league, you know, we just don't have all that. We just don't have the ability to just keep putting games back, back, and back or changing them or midweek games because the body's got to heal from a hard-hitting NFL game. You just can't strap it on three days from now. So unlike Major League Baseball, where they made up all of those games from players that were going to casinos and getting COVID by playing double headers, you're not able to do that in the NFL. So I guarantee you they're scrambling right now to find out what they're going to do because this is the first scare. This is this is the, the shot over the bow of the boat and people going, uh-oh, they've got armament over there. They have armament over there. So hopefully the NFL wakes up and figures out what they're going to do and very, very, very soon. And my last outside the bubble stays in the NFL. And I don't know if you guys had a chance to watch the Monday night game. But I think officially we can say the changing of the guard has happened. And the bell cow in, in the NFL is one Patrick, soon-to-be father, Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is going to be a once-in-a-generation player that we're watching. From the way that he can throw the ball, his arm angles, to how he can throw the ball deep, he, he can just do things no other quarterback can do. He doesn't have Lamar Jackson's speed, but I guess you don't need Lamar Jackson's speed when you can beat him down like they just did on Monday Night Football as the Chiefs took down the Ravens. But Patrick Mahomes gets it. And Patrick Mahomes has had a different life than you and I. Patrick Mahomes' dad played Major League Baseball. Patrick Mahomes was in the locker rooms with Derek Jeter and got to talk to Derek Jeter and players of that ilk that taught him from the time he was a little kid how to be a professional and how to carry themselves and how to be a person with a lot of a lot of pressure on you and how to react to that and how to play with that and how to strive under that. And that is what you're going to see from this guy going forward and why he doesn't ever seem like he's too high or too low, why a deficit doesn't freak him out. The guy the guy led the Chiefs from behind in all of their games in the playoffs last year. And he's only going to get better, folks. The game is only going to slow down for him more and more and more. And with Andy Reid, a coach that he he clicks with, who knows him well, Eric Bieniemy is there, the offensive coordinator, and he gets it. I think something really, really special is taking place up in Kansas City. And I don't know if they're going to be able to get the five rings of the Patriots because I don't know if they've got a recording staff, if you know what I mean, that can get all of the plays for the other team. But that's something else. I didn't say that out loud, did I? Um, but I think, truthfully, they've got a chance to be very, very, very special. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the future holds for them. Well, everybody, I hope you took all of this in. You let it marinate a little bit, Shedheads. Shedheads, this is going to be a fun, fun weekend. I can't, I can't again stress to you how exciting it will be. Please check your local listings. Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports 2, Fox Soccer Channel. They're going to have all of these matches for you to watch. Send me a line across. Shedheads, you can always reach out and touch, get in touch with me. I appreciate all of the positive feedback I've been getting on Outside the Sheds. Uh, you know, Sheds, we are all one. I'm just your Pied Piper. But until next week, remember, try to affect somebody's life around you. Try to give as many hugs as you possibly can while still social distancing. Try to do that. And remember, 
stay out of trouble, or don't get caught, or don't call this number. Until next time, Shedheads, I'll talk to you. This is Outside the Sheds, and I'm Corey Jackson. And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson, talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.